And we're going to be looking this morning at verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians chapter 4. Verses uh, 1 through 3, Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, as, as a backdrop of the message this morning, I wanted to kind of give you a, uh, go back and get a little bit of a, uh, another view of the, of the city of Ephesus of where this church and where this church was located. And a little bit of a historical background of where we were. I wanted you to remember this morning that Ephesus was a city of about 250,000 people. It was the second largest city in the Roman Empire next to Rome. So it, it, was, a, it was a big city. It was a metropolitan city. It was, like a, it was like a Manhattan. It was like an L.A. It was like a Tokyo. It was like a Shanghai. It was a very wealthy city, a very, uh, uh, the crossroad there of Asia Minor. Uh, it had the, that, great, that great harbor and that great busy port right there on the Aegean Sea. So you had over land and you had over sea. You had commerce. You had trade. You had a lot of things going on that brought a lot of wealth to Ephesus. Very wealthy. And not only was it a, uh, was a city of wealth, but it was also a city of education. A city of education had one of the largest libraries in the Roman Empire was right there at Ephesus. Um, it, it was home to one of the great philosophers uh, one of the great schools of one of the great philosophers uh, by the name of Heraclitus. And uh, is very well known in Ephesus for their education, for their wealth. Uh, thirdly, for their religion. Over 14 different pagan gods were worshipped there in Ephesus. The central god, the, the, most, the one that was the most focused on, was the goddess of Artemis, of whom that, uh, that great temple was built there um, to the goddess of Ar- Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. I believe some of the, you can see some of the pillars uh, are still standing here and there. But it was a great, great city there of wealth and of education, of religion. But not only that, it was a great city of decadence, right? It, that marked all of the Roman Empire, actually. But because Artemis was a goddess of fertility, the goddess of childbearing, the goddess of, uh, of, of, um, of, child, uh, of, of fertility and things like that, you, there, there were some things that went on in Ephesus that were, to us, we would be a little bit shocked about, not as much anymore, but uh, to them, it was completely normal, <clears throat> right? Within, not in the back alleys, Right, not in the side streets, not out in the country, hidden in the desert, or anything like that. Which there wasn't desert here, but hidden out in the hills and the hollers. There, it wasn't there. It was right in the middle of the city, right in the hustle and bustle of it all, were the public brothels that were known in Ephesus. It was a central part of their culture to go to the to go to the uh, to the to the brothels and to work at these brothels here, visiting the brothels in Ephesus. Uh, really, I, I'm, I don't think I'm overstating this, <clears throat> would be not much different than you ladies going to get your nails done today or you men going out to the gym. They were so widely accepted. I'm, I'm talking about the decadence and the culture of Ephesus. If you wanted to sum up what, this, what it was like living in Ephesus, the culture of Ephesus was a self-centered, self-absorbed, sex-soaked society what it was all right does it sound any different <laughs> does it, i mean it's not sounding much different than the than the society we're living in today does it amen and and in the roman empire really to be from ephesus you were somebody 
you had a little bit of swagger to you. I mean, if you were uh, in other parts of the empire, they might say, well, where are you from? And you said Ephesus. They go, oh, wow, yeah, nice. Yeah, you're somebody. You're, you're from some place. And this is the backdrop that we need to remember as we look here at chapter 4. And as we look at chapter 4, I want you to remember the breakdown in this book to the Ephesians. Let me, sh- let me show you to you this way. In chapters 1 through 3, we were shown our Christian privilege in Christ. But here in chapters 4 through 6, we're going to see our Christian practice, the way we live our life. In chapters 1 through 3, we're gonna, we saw our Christian blessing in Christ Jesus, how we were blessed in Christ. In chapters 4 through 6, we're going to see our Christian behavior and how we live. In chapters 1 through 3, we see that in Jesus Christ, we have spiritual wealth. But next here in chapters 4 through 6, we're going to look at our spiritual walk. When chapter 3 ends, and it's the reason I had uh, Brother Jim read this, when chapter 3 ends, then chapter 4 begins with the words, with the word, therefore. Look at this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. The word, therefore, is there uh, because of chapters 1 through 3. So watch this. Chapters 4 through 6 are because of chapters 1 through 3, okay? 1 through 3 is the doctrine. 4 through 6 is the duty to live out the doctrine. You know it is absolutely and completely foreign to the Christian life is knowing doctrine but not living it. Knowing truth but not living it. Knowing what is right but uh, not doing it. Actually, one of the main words that comes to our mind when we think of that is what word? Hypocrite. A hypocrite, right? False. An unbeliever, maybe, even possibly. right? Every child of God is to live out the gospel. I'm telling you, look, you're looking at me here like a tree full of owls. You're dozing off. Every Christian is to live out the gospel. Amen. 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 We're to live it out. I'm not saying we live it out every day perfectly. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that is the, the goal. That is the, the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to live out the gospel. Hey, we're to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ Even if we're living in a town, in a society, in a culture, in a nation that is completely anti-Christ, we're still supposed to live out the gospel. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Is it possible? I don't know. There's people nowadays that are looking at our culture and just quitting. Hey, there are people that are looking at the American culture, our American society, the decadence that we're living in, the the, the self-centeredness that we're living in, the paganism that we're living in, and I'm telling you, they're throwing up their hands and saying, oh, well. I question whether they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm not off base. There have been many, many, many before me that have made statements like they don't believe that 10% of their church is saved. W.A. Criswell didn't believe that 85% of his church was saved. Ah. B.R. Lakin didn't believe that maybe 25% of the people in the churches were saved. Yeah. I'm just saying, it's, for some reason, 
people are looking at society and they're throwing up their hands and they're just giving in and walking along with it. But listen, in our text this morning, we're going to see here that it is possible. Actually, it's still commanded, which watch, if God commands it, that means he has enabled us to do it. Amen. We have the indwelling spirit of God. If you're saved this morning, you have the indwelling spirit of God to live godly in Christ Jesus. So I want to look at this subject this morning. My title is a selfless walk in a selfish world. Is that possible? A a selfless walk in a selfish world. Yes, it is possible. And I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit led me back here to these first uh, two verses. We went through these a a few weeks ago. But I just really feel led to go back through them again as we pick up and finish off in verse number 3. But verse number 1 tells us where to walk. We've looked at this before. We were told here in verse 1 to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. We are commanded, this is a command here, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord Jesus of the Lord, watch, beseech you, I beg you, right, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. What is that word walk? Well, you know what it means. It's a lifestyle. It's the living out what you are. It's the, it's the outside that is reacting to the inside. I'm telling you, when there's too many problems on the outside, you know there's some problems on the inside. Amen. We're to walk. It's our lifestyle. It is our living. It's the way we walk our day-to-day life. It's when we come to a crossroad in our life, the decision that we make of the direction that we're going to go. That is our walk. And we're told to walk worthy. That word worthy meaning a, a manner that is fitting and a way that fits what you say that you are. So we're commanded here to walk a lifestyle, to have a lifestyle and pattern of our life that is in that is that is fitting for who we are it's fitting for who we are we're told to walk worthy walk worthy look at this of the vocation we saw a few weeks ago the vocation is a calling it's a called appointment if the president of the united states calls somebody up they may be in some lower position they may not even be in government at all they might be a businessman and the president calls up and says hey i'd like you to be the secretary of state Whoa, that's a pretty big job. What is that? That is a vote. That is a calling. That is a called appointment. The president has called somebody and asked them to fulfill a job. You might be in the military, and those of you that were in the military, and you had some some uh, upper general or somebody like that, or just a, a somebody above you called you and uh, said, "Hey, uh, I, I know that you're just peeling potatoes right now in the kitchen, but I want you to go ahead and I want you to I want you to enroll in sniper school. You're so good at peeling potatoes. I want want you to be a sniper uh, that makes a lot of sense then that's why i'm not in the military it wasn't and i yeah i didn't do real good and uh and uh, you know and what was that that's an appointment it's an appointment it is a called appointment you might work in a company and you might have been in the mailroom and the president of the company or the boss uh, of the company calls you and says hey you're doing a great job in the mailroom i want you to take over uh i, I want you to take over uh, shipping and receiving I want you to take over shipping and receiving. It's a called appointment. Listen to me. In the world, when somebody has been called to an elevated position and responsibility, you live your day-to-day life in a way that is fitting for that position. Yeah. If the president calls you to be secretary of state, yeah, you're not going to be like, well, 
Well, no, we'd have that now. There's a guy out of Pennsylvania, poor people from Pennsylvania, showed up to be, meet with the president in a hoodie and, and uh, shorts, a uh, um, uh, uh, congressman. What's that guy? I can't even think. He's After his stroke, he's a poor guy can't even talk. Shows up everywhere in a, in a tank top and shorts. What a disgrace to our country. Absolute disgrace. No wonder people roll into church in flip-flops and shorts and shirts and looks like they rolled out of bed and never even combed their hair and come in. It's like, well, God better be glad I'm here. Friend, you're in front of the Holy of Holies, man. You have come to, to uh, assemble together before the God of heaven who would snuff you out at a minute. Friend, I'm tell you, we're in a mess. We're to walk worthy of a calling. We're to walk in a way that is fitting of our calling that is before us. We've been called out by the Lord Jesus Christ. John 6, Jesus said, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. That is a calling. It is a calling that we have. Jesus has called us out. If you are here this morning, you are born again, uh, child of God. Jesus had his eyes on you before you ever thought of him. The God of heaven loves you. The one who spoke it all into existence, right? He came looking for you. And He called you out of your sin. He called you out of your emptiness. He called you out of your worthlessness. He saved you. He adopted you. He erased your sin, past, present, and future. Glory to God. And you have a new position in Christ Jesus. What is that? Well, you're a child of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're indwelt by the Spirit of God. The Father of Jesus is our Father. Jesus is our elder brother. The Holy Spirit of God is our teacher and our guide. I'm telling you, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. 1 Peter 2, 9, Jesus, Peter said, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Don't forget that. A holy nation, a peculiar people. It doesn't mean weird. It means highly treasured. And that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into, a, into his marvelous light. I question why somebody, how somebody could be called out of darkness into light and go right back to darkness. Watch and live there with what, without one ounce of conviction. I'm telling you what, if you're a child of God, you can get into sin, but you don't like it, you can't handle it. The, 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 the pressure, the conviction of the Spirit of God, it just doesn't go away until you get it right. It's the most miserable place you've ever been in your life and you hate it. You may even say, I don't even know how to get out of it, but you don't like it. Well, I'm telling you what, you can live there. If you can live there, you're not saved, friend. You need to get saved today. Today. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've been called out. We've been told, verse 1, where to walk. We're supposed to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. We've been called out, and we've been called to a really big job. It's a really big job we have today, friend. It absolutely is. Ephesians 6.20, for which Paul says, I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak, speak boldly as I ought to speak. What gives us our boldness in Jesus Christ? What gives us our boldness when we can stand up to anybody, whether it's in a church setting or at work or at the restaurant or wherever it may be, and hold the word of God and say, Thus saith the Lord, you know, except ye repent, ye shall also likewise perish. How can we say such a thing? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and with that role comes great authority in the Word of God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It does. Could you imagine here you are working in the in the mail room and you've just been enjoying your time in the mail room in the company and the president called you? And here you are now you're working in shipping and receiving, right? 
But think about it this way. Here you were in the mailroom, and you realized some shipments weren't coming in right. And so you called the vendor of your company, one of the vendors, and said, Hey, Bubba, uh, it's taken a long time uh, to get some of your shipments in. We're, we're running behind. We need product to finish for manufacturing. You know, to make our boats and to make our parts or whatever it is, and they're not showing up, man. You better, you better pick it up, or we're going to find another vendor. And the vendor says, "Who's this?" Oh, yeah, this this is Cletus down in the mailroom. <laughs> Cletus, I don't think I know you. Yeah. But when Cletus moves up to his new job. And he calls and he says, hey, you're behind on your stuff. If you don't listen, if you don't pick up uh, the shipments and get stuff when we need to, we're just going to find another vendor. Who is this? Well, this is Cletus. I am the president of shipping and, uh, of, of shipping and receiving. I'm, I am the president over, uh, uh, you know, uh, over uh, receiving and all these things. And I'm noticing your stuff's not coming in right. I'm going to talk to the purchaser and we're going to find somebody else. Yes, sir. We'll get that fixed right away. What happens? Your position brought authority. Your position brought authority. Paul said, I am an ambassador in bonds. Who cares if he's in jail? He's still an ambassador of Jesus Christ, right? Amen. That therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. It's what I ought to do. Right? 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Here's a second time Paul has told us that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We have been called out of darkness into the glorious light. Why? To be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. What is an ambassador? Well, he's just the individual from one nation that represents his nation to a foreign nation. Uh, an ambassador of the United States goes to another country and, and, and uh, goes to another country to push forward the wants and the desires of the United States with that, to that country. Listen, he's not looking for the best interest of the country he's going to. He's looking to the best interest of the country that he's from. Yeah. Listen, we're ambassadors. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. What are we representing? We're representing heaven. We're representing the God of heaven. We're representing the Lord Jesus Christ. We're representing the work of the Holy Spirit of God who is drawing all men unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We've been called out of darkness. We have authority. We have authority. And we're calling. We have a calling of God to represent heaven to a world that is headed to hell. That is what we've been called to do. Watch this. What is Paul saying? We are to live our everyday life in a way that is fitting of being an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You know what that means? We don't get entangled in the affairs of this life. You know what this means? When an ambassador goes to India, he doesn't put on the garb of India. When he goes to China, he doesn't put the, on the garb of China. When he goes to a Muslim nation, he doesn't put on the garb of those nations. Just chat my hide when these Muslims that we are protecting in the Middle East made our, made our uh, the, the ladies in the military put on hijabs and things like that uh, to, to recognize uh, their local culture. I'd be like, Fix your own problem then, buddy. <laughs> we don't, we're not here for you, right? I mean, for, for, for us, we're here for you. If you don't like it, you know, we can go somewhere else, man. 
Listen, we represent the United States of America. Hey, friend, uh, every child of God represents heaven, and it is not our duty to walk in the world, to look like the world, to act like the world, to, to, to do business like the world, to hold to the world's philosophies. Our responsibility in our walk is to be like Jesus Christ. I tell you what, it was pointed out of the, out of the disciples. Remember, they said these seem to be like ignorant men, right? These are ignorant men, but we perceive that they've been with Jesus. Boy, I tell you what, what a testimony that is. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You have a great, great calling. Live your life in a way that is fitting of that calling. Ephesians 5, 8, For ye sometimes were darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. There's a command. 2 Corinthians six seventeen says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate. Romans twelve two tells us to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount told us to be salt, that you are the salt of the earth. He went on to say, you are the light of the world. Listen to me. The one thing that Nixon needs, the one thing our nation needs, the one thing our world needs, Listen, or I should say what they don't need is more Christians in name only looking and acting and talking like the world that they're supposed to be warning, that they're supposed to be warning. We don't like rhinos, do we? Republican in name only. We don't like chinos either. (laughs) Christians in name only. It's not right. It's not right. We've been commanded how we've been commanded where to walk. You have a calling. You have a calling. Every one of you. I'm not called to preach. No, you're called to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Now walk like it. Act like it. Talk like it. Do it. Number two, look at verse two though. Not only are we told where to walk, we're told how to walk. Now we're told the manner to walk. This is helpful, friend. Look what he says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Because we live in a culture and a society uh, uh, um, that is, that is uh, where we are today, self-sitterness and selfishness and paganism and everything else, it's possible, watch, it's possible to walk, walk the right path in the wrong way. Why? We still have this flesh attached to us, friend. We still battle this flesh. Some people uh, get a new position. You ever been there? They just went right to their head. You went, oh, here they come. Mr. Mailroom is now over shipping and receiving because his uncle who owns the place gave him the job. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's walking around like he owns the joint. Anybody ever work at a place like that? Oh, yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Some people get the big promotion, man. They're just annoying to be around. Yeah. They look down on you like some peon. Yeah, it's possible to walk the walk the right the right path in the wrong way. Yeah, it is. We're told how to walk here in verse two. Notice the four things that set apart God's children from the world. You know what the world doesn't need are Christians that are annoying. It doesn't need Christians that are self-absorbed. 
and self-centered. It doesn't need Christians walking walking the road that they're supposed to be supposed to walk that are, are just ugly and unkind and not even fun to be around and cantankerous and growling all the time and upset about everything and just you just you know they're just you get around them and you're like my goodness if this is the joy of the Lord I think I'll take I'll take just something else thank you very much this, this is awful oh it shouldn't it shouldn't be us at all. Notice these four things, lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and forbearing. Lowliness, what is it? It's, it lowliness is having, the humble opi- uh, having, having a humble opinion of oneself. Some people are very proud of themselves. I, 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 I. I did this. I did that. I did this. I helped it. And sometimes it's really, they did really wonderful things, right? But the way they did it, you know what Jesus said? You got your reward. You got it. And that's where it ends. You're done. Yeah. It's, it's, no, no, lowliness is having a humble opinion of oneself, a deep sense of one's moral littleness. Remember what was told to Solomon? He said, when thou wast little in thine own sight. Oh. When Solomon came to God the first time, he says, I am but a child and I don't know how to, how, how to, how, how to lead these people, your people in and out. I don't know what I'm doing. I want, I want wisdom, God. All I want is wisdom. And God said, oh, I like that. But boy, something happened. Something happened. He had his heart taken from God. And he, and he went, you know the story of Solomon. And later in his life, the, the saying to him was, when thou was little in thine own sight, you were a much better man. As an ambassador to a wicked world, don't forget, friend, you were just like them one time. I have no patience for, for, for a Christian that will look, look some unbeliever, look at him and just disdain and look down. I can't believe blah, 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 blah. It's like, buddy, you were just like it. Well, I didn't do that. Well, you would have if you had the opportunity. We're all just sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. We're nothing outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul himself said, but by the grace of God, there go I. Hey, if it weren't for the grace of God, you and I would be in, in, could, could be in any place possible in the lowest place of, of society. You and I could be there, whether it's in prison or in jail or, or in some, some, some gutter uh, uh, hooked, to, hooked to heroin or crack or anything else. Hey, but by the grace of God, it could be anybody in this room could have been there. Absolutely. You know what you need to have when you walk this road with Christ? Lowliness. A humble opinion of yourself. It'll help your soul winning. It'll help your compassion for the lost. It'll help you have a heart. You know, you know I, I, always, I, I like to pray for boldness couched in love. We need to have boldness in God, but in love. In love. I don't know. I don't know how you can look at your life and see yourself. Watch how you've been rescued by God, then turn around and come in such a such an ugly way to somebody who who is right now what you used to be. Yeah. She said, "Well, I wasn't that bad. Hey, you still had a dead you still had a dead spirit, so you were no different whatsoever." Yeah. Well, they did worse things than I did, and you're still a dead spirit just like them that needed to be made alive. Yeah. John said, "I must decrease. He must increase." I'm talking about lowliness. 
You know how you walk the road with the Lord Jesus Christ in your vocation as an ambassador of Christ? With lowliness. But not only that, meekness. Meekness is not weakness. We know that. Meekness is power under control. Power under control. Moses, the Bible said, was the meekest man on earth. How do you think Moses felt when he had to write that about himself? He wrote the Pentateuch, right? And he wrote, Moses was the meekest man. I wonder if he went, okay, I guess I am. But he was. God said so. You know how much power? Remember God said, hey, Moses, I'll wipe them out. We'll start over with you. He said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. He could have, but he was a meek man. Jesus Christ, obviously, is the Son of God, as very God, was, was the epitome of, of meekness. When Pilate, when he stood before Pilate, Pilate said, don't you know, Jesus wasn't answering him anything. Pilate would ask him questions, he just stood there. And Pilate said, don't you know that I have the power to crucify thee and the power to release thee? And at that, Jesus piped up and said, hey, listen, buddy, you have no power at all against me. I, I, listen, he said, I lay my life down and I take it up again. You don't have any power against me. You know what Pilate did? He turned around and walked out of there and went and washed, went and washed his hands and pasted a little bit and got a little bit nervous. Came out. He said, I don't find any fault in this guy. I tell you what, something happened there. His wife came out. Pilate's wife came out. The Romans believed that gods could become humans. And his wife came out and said, I had a dream about this man. Don't touch him. Well, he got concerned. Yeah. Meekness. The meekness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would there be a better picture of meekness than the cross of Calvary? When Jesus, standing there in Matthew 26, He told the crowd, Thinkest thou not that I could could pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me twelve legions of angels? Power under control. Why? For a better good. He had a purpose of being on the cross. That was meekness. The angels of heaven, I believe, stood upon the put, uh, stood there at, along the lines of heaven. I believe, just watching. I wondered if they watched at times. They just asked the Father, "Now, should we go now? Can we get them now?" Right? No, you're not going. Yeah. Power under control. You know that's supposed to mark our life. That is supposed to mark our life as we walk as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ, as we're living out the gospel. Not, not, not only are, are, are we walking in a life of lowliness, but also meekness. Friend, as an ambassador, we have authority in Jesus Christ. We have the power of God upon us uh, that, that is available to us. And uh, it is not, that doesn't mean that we're just meek, little mamby-pamby, you know, little just prancing around, uh, effeminate and fairy-like, uh, you know, uh, Christians walking around. Alive. No, that's not it at all it's the opposite of that we have great power and we have great authority but sometimes the holy spirit of god says no forbear don't no you could push that but for the gospel's sake stop no you could take that to court but you probably ought not to no you could call the police but maybe you shouldn't this time no you could you know did you see what i mean you know when we're walking this life sometimes our life at all times need to be marked by meekness but not only that Look at the third one here, long-suffering. Long-suffering means patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness. I have all these words written down here. Perseverance, slowness in avenging wrongs. How about this? Suffering long. (laughs) Isn't that easy? Suffering long. 
Psalm 86, 15, But thou, O Lord, thou, O Lord, art God, full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Galatians 5, 22-23, notice it's, it's a fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. 2 Timothy 4, 2, uh, Timothy was told to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Um, he was told to reprove rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering, patient endurance, steadfastness, perseverance, slowness in avenging wrongs. See, God's ambassadors, oh, I tell you what, I have to confess something this morning. God's ambassadors aren't (laughs) quick-tempered and impatient with the world. They're patient they're patient and slow to avenge the, avenge the wrongs that are committed against them. You're wondering what happened this morning, aren't you? Yeah. Have no fear. Listen, the Word of God, it, it does a number on me just like it does you. We're driving in this morning. <laughs> Turned out of Hooton Town. Coming on down him highway, or you at that point, it's you, turns into him. Bottom of the hill there, the dry wash. Somebody's watching this from another part of the world. Yeah, we live out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, down at the bottom of the hauler, there's a dry wash there. And there's a flatbed truck with a big cat, uh, you know, stock trailer. He had stopped in the middle of the road. And then he, uh, we kind of saw him. He finally started going. I pull up behind him. And he kind of veers off in the other lane, comes out. I'm like, what is and there was a dead possum in the road. And my first thought is, seriously, you're worried about a dead possum? You've got a dually with a stock trailer. I'm telling you, what a bad look. Right, Alan? What a bad look for a guy that probably thinks he's a pretty good redneck. I mean, you should have driven right over the top of that dude. Good. Now, you wouldn't even have felt it in the dually. Good grief, you would have felt it a bit. I'm like, good. You know what he did? Goes up the hill, driving 25 miles an hour. Crest the hill. Speeds up to 30 miles an hour. Keeps going. I'm like, and of course, you know what I'm doing. I'm like, oh. <clears throat> Brought me back to the days of traveling Highway 60 between Aurora and Springfield when it was two lanes. And it never failed going to work. You got behind some truck from Arkansas with a stock trailer going 40 miles an hour. And you couldn't pass them, right? And I'm telling you, we're coming in this morning. Just this morning. And we get to... Uh, uh, M and I, I'm like, I'm getting a go. And of course, she's terrified because I'm flying through there and trying to get over and getting up around him, go over to Highway 14 up in Highway. And I'm feeling pretty good about it. You know, it's beautiful, kind of driving the country. Right? Chap my hide this morning. Get to Casey's. There he is. <laughs> he was parked in the, parked Casey's getting gas right where, I guess. Of course, Sherry said not a word about it, never mentioned it. She just didn't say a thing about the how we would have already been there by now. But anyway, yeah. It wasn't very long-suffering, was I? No, you can say amen. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. And it's hot in here. You know what marks a child of God? We need to be reminded. Listen, if, if, if it wasn't possible that we could get out of the way here, God wouldn't have to mention it. But he mentions it because you know what? 
we still have this flesh attached to us and we stop walking as the ambassadors like we're supposed to. And one of the things that marks an ambassador is long-suffering. But notice, fourthly, forbearing. We're almost done here. means to sustain, to bear, to endure. Wow, well, I wasn't very forbearing either, was I? Second Timothy 2.10 Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Second Timothy 2.3 Paul said Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Look at this. With all lowliness and meekness with long suffering. Look at this. Forbearing one another in love. Now we're talking in the body here. This letter is to a church. The church at Ephesus. You and I are supposed to bear one another in love. We're supposed to be forbearing to one another, long-suffering to one another. I mean, yeah, yes, not, not only does this <clears throat> happen outside of the bounds of our church, but it begins in the body and goes out from there. And we're supposed to be forbearing one another, enduring one another. Sometimes we do, don't we? Sustaining one another in love. In love. We know at 1 Corinthians 13, don't we? Bear, what does charity do? It bears all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. That's what that agape love, that's what charity does. It bears all things. 1 John uh, 4.18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, for fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. No, you can tell if you live a life of fear as a believer... You haven't been made perfect in love yet. Your, your, your life isn't, isn't, guided, isn't, isn't guided by love. I've told this before, but our friend was in Kenya. And, and over in Kenya, of course, the, the robbers would come out to the bush where they were. And they'd come out with their AK-47s. And they would run their little, their little pattern before they would rob you. And, and our friend who was in Kenya was there working on a church building, one of their churches. And... And uh, here come this long line of robbers with their AK-47s running their little their route there, uh, you know, to, uh, and they were going to negotiate over with the pastor how much money they were going to get from them for them to go away. My friend said, I, I shook their hand as they went by and they're running their pattern. He goes, I just stood there and shook their hand as they went by. I'm sure they didn't know what to do with that, right? And uh, he said, eventually, while the... The, the leaders were dealing with the pastor trying to see how much money they could extort out of him. My friend said, I brought all the, all the, the other ones by, over to the tree. We sat him down and I preached to him. I preached to them, gave him the gospel. And then the pastor came over after he was done negotiating with the, with the leader of the robbers. He came over, preached for another 45 minutes. And he said, the leader of that group stood up and said, we have heard from God today. We, we, won't, we, won't have, we don't want anything from you. And they left. My friend said, if I love the African like I ought to, what's there to fear? Perfect. He said, perfect love casteth out fear. Fear has torment. Can I tell you something, friend? If we loved the world, not we're in love with the world, but if we love the lost world like we ought to, what is there to fear? It's one of the worst things to watch a child of God live in fear. Forbearing in love. Watch this now. I want you to show you this. And we'll be done in another 20 minutes. 
lowliness, oversell. Oversell. It makes, makes you feel better when we're out earlier. We'll be done in 18, really. Lowliness and meekness. You notice these two words? Lowliness and meekness. These two words are how we act toward the world. Long-suffering and forbearing is how we respond to the world. Lowliness and meekness is how we respond to one another in the body. Long-suffering and forbearing is how we respond to one another in the body. Let me say it this way. Lowliness and meekness or how we go after the world and after one another. Long-suffering and forbearing is how we respond when they go after us. This is our walk. Jesus said, here's the way, walk ye in it. here's, Here's how we walk. The, the walk that we're supposed to do. Now notice finally verse 3. Why this walk? Look at verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That word endeavoring means to make haste. Now, it, it, it means to give diligence. It means you put this at the top of your list. Endeavoring, what are we putting at the top of the list in the body? To keep the unity of the Spirit. Why do we walk this way? To keep the unity of the Spirit. You know, right? In a body, there's what? We're a body of members. Some of y'all are feet, some are hands. Some of us are eyes, some are noses. Some of us are ears, some are, right? A heel. No, the heel of a foot. What do you think I was saying? The heel of a foot. For long suffering, don't forget that. No. <laughs> no, we're a body of parts, right? And watch, we are told to keep the to to make the top of the list, at the top of our list, is to keep the unity of the Spirit. If you're a child of God here and a member of, of Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, you have a choice every day whether you're going to walk in the Spirit. You have a choice whether you're going to live in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. So to to keep the unity of the Spirit, the word keep means to protect, it means to guard. So we are to guard the unity, which is not uniformity, because we're a body of members. The church is a body. What's that mean? We're all different. Could you imagine if everybody in this church was me? That'd be bad. That'd be a bad testimony. Multiply me. (laughs) Yeah. So, watch this. Why do we walk this way? Because at the top of our list is to keep the unity of the Spirit in the body. Watch. To keep everybody on the same page. To keep everyone connected to the same purpose and goal. Yeah, right? See, watch this. If we're all filled with the Spirit, if we're all indwelt by the Spirit, we're all supposed to walk in the Spirit and be filled by the Spirit. And if every member of this church is walking in the Spirit, watch this, the outcome is we're all in unity of the Spirit. 
So watch, now watch the reverse of that. If somebody in the body is living in sin, the Spirit of God doesn't condone sin. So what are you doing? You are quenching the Spirit of God. And you know what you've created in the body? Disunity. That's why Paul says a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Why? Because when you allow sin to reign in your body, uh, right, and you just allow it to reign there and you don't take care of it, you don't deal with it, and you allow it to reign there, you begin to quench the Spirit of God and now you've just severed the unity in the body. It's a serious thing. It's a serious thing for all of us to have, watch, endeavor, put it at the top of your list. It's a serious thing to have at the top of our list to walk in, in, in obedience to the Spirit of God. Yeah. Do we need a list? Do I need to give you a list? Zach's like, no, please. <laughs> yeah, it's warm in here. Yeah. No, when you say that, uh, giving's not that important. No, you don't always say those words, trust me. But they come out in different ways. You've quenched the spirit. Watch. And you've severed unity in the body. When you say, oh, I don't need to go to church today. You know, you've quenched the spirit. And you've severed unity in the body. When you say, oh, I don't need to get right with somebody that I, that I should have gotten right with. I don't need to forgive. I don't need to release bitterness. I don't need to do this. I'm justified on you, listen, you have quenched the Spirit of God in your life and you've severed unity in the body. And what, watch what we're told here. Why? Why do we live this way? Because we're supposed to put at the top of our list unity in the body. We are to make haste to protect the unity of the Spirit of God in the body, making sure what? How do we do this? Making sure every one of us individually are walking in the Spirit. That's your job. That is my job to make sure we are walking in the Spirit of God. Now notice this in the bond of peace. What is the bond of peace? See it there? Let me explain it to you this way. The bond of peace is like the ligaments in the body. You have separate bones going all over your body. What, 200 and... 80 something, 200 and some, 200 and some bones. Right. And connecting those bones, and they're all different, they all have different jobs and roles. And connecting those bones are ligaments. Yeah. The bones are different, watch, but they still need to be held together. Why do all those bones need to be held together by ligaments? Because if you didn't have any, you'd just be a pile of bones on the floor. Try walking that way. You'd be, it'd take you a year to get across the carpet. And it'd look funny, too. Probably never get married. Probably, you know, anyway. Yeah. Endeavoring to keep, listen, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Listen, the bond of peace is the ligaments that hold the body together. If everyone in here is seeking peace, if everyone in here is seeking somebody else's goal and you know somebody else is good and not their own if everyone else here is endeavoring to walk in the spirit and to be obedient to the spirit of god if everybody in this body has one mind this way i'm telling you the there is unity in the body and why do you need unity in the body well why why do you need unity in your own physical body if you're going to work 
if you're going to accomplish what God's given you to do, if you if, listen, if you're going to reach the world with the gospel, your body's got to work, friend, right? At least uh, enough. Philippians 2, 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, esteeming, let, uh, let each esteem others better than himself. You know what that does? That's a ligament. That keeps the body together. What happens when people get all worried about themselves? It fractures the body. And then what happens? No unity. What happens with No unity. The, listen, the, the purpose of the goal as being ambassadors, the purpose of the church doesn't, is not accomplished. And when that's not accomplished, it means the world isn't one to Christ and people die and go to hell. Serious thing, friend. This isn't just something we do because we're Americans and we go to church. Yeah. I mean, if you don't believe... I mean, if I, 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 sometimes I wonder if we really convinced that hell's real. Galatians five twenty two: the fruit of the spirit is what? One of them. Well, one aspect of the fruit is what? Peace. Peace. Hebrews twelve fourteen: we're commanded follow follow peace with all men and holiness, without which shall no man see the Lord. You know, holiness and peace is an, is an aspect with, uh, combined with holiness to where, listen, if you're not living in peace, endeavoring to live in peace with one another and towards your, the, the brethren in the church and towards those that are without, it's kind of hard to see God. Right. If there's no unity in the body, if everybody isn't on board... To walk in the Spirit, then our effect on society, on the society that God has placed us in, will not accomplish all that it could have. What if at the end the Lord says, you know, put you all in Nixa? Let me show you what could have been accomplished. Friend, we're going to a judgment. Don't forget that. We're going to the judgment seat of Christ. And at the judgment seat of Christ, believers are going to suffer loss. It should motivate us. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what it would be like if the Lord said, You know, Crimson, I tell you what, I did this. I sold you property. I gave you new land. gave you more visibility. gave you more ability to, to reach the community I put you in. Thank you for how long you've been there. But boy, this is what was accomplished and this is what could have been accomplished. Watch. Because you just didn't find it necessary to endeavor to keep the to to, to, to walk in the spirit and keep the bond of peace. I'm not making stuff up, friend. This this is what comes out of this. You know how many churches out there that just accomplished nothing for the Lord? Number one, because there's just no unity. The only thing that they are unified in is that they don't care about the lost world. And that's what a terrible thing to be unified in. You see, the culture of Ephesus doesn't sound much different than America today. Not at all. 
Which is why the command to the church at Ephesus is uh, the same command to us. We've been commanded and told where to walk. We've been told how to walk. We've been told why this walk. Why? Because people need the gospel. Absolutely. And you know what a part of the gospel is? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Watch. And teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. Listen. Just winning somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ and leaving their house door isn't the fulfillment of the gospel. You are to baptize them, which means what? Places them into the body of the church and disciple them and train them and teach them. That is the completion of the gospel. Not just knocking on a door, telling them about Jesus, going off, putting a notch on your belt, coming back to church saying, We had five saved today, bless God. Where are they? I don't know. That's not the gospel, friend. Thankful if they trusted in Jesus. Thankful for that. Absolutely. But you're going to go to a judgment and give an account for that. Can I tell you the last thing that the world needs is another church that represents a just a, a watered-down gospel that might be able to save a person. This sounds so weird, but this is how they think. Might be able to save a person, but it's powerless to change their life now. See, the real problem lies with churches who've left off caring for the sheep to entertain the goats. That's what half the churches out there are today, entertaining a bunch of goats that need to be saved. James River claims they've had over a thousand saved in the last few months. I'd be all for it. It'd be wonderful. Yeah. What's strange is when you talk to the ones that go there, they don't seem to know what it means to be saved. And we're getting a larger and larger list of them as we go out. See, what the world needs is to see as a selfless church walking as ambassadors in a selfish world. And every, listen, every member of Crimson Avenue Baptist Church needs to make it a daily priority to walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Just do what God tells you to do. Obey. So let me ask you this morning, I'm done. Is your Christian life Is your Christian walk, let me say it that way, is your walk helping or hindering the unity in this body? Is the way that you've chosen to live your life on a day-to-day basis according to the Word of God, is it helping the unity of the body or is it hindering it? Is your Christian walk hindering or helping the church reach the lost world? Is it helping or is it hindering the responsibility of this church to reach the lost world? Is your Christian walk, is it helping or hindering your role as an ambassador for Christ? Can I challenge you this morning? If there's anywhere that your life doesn't seem to resemble the life of an ambassador of Christ. The Holy Spirit of God, uh, through this message, has put His finger on something, whatever it is, you know what it is. You know it loud and clear. It's as loud as can be. Today, this moment when the invitation starts, get down at your chair, get alone with God, and tell Him it's it's gone. Whatever, Whatever He says, say yes. Just say yes. 
It might be a, a taking away, or it might be an adding unto, it might be a whatever, hey, whatever it is. You know what it is. And it is so important that unity is maintained in the body. Because, friend, I, don't, I, I think you agree with I think we're on the same page here, unified in this. I think, I, I think we are. That we want to see all of Nixa one to Christ. That's not hyperbole. I'm not, just, I'm not being sensational. I absolutely believe it. I believe the majority of everybody in this room has the same goal, that they want to see the, the entire city one to Christ. You say, well, that, that won't happen. Oh, stop. <laughs> the attitude alone is wrong. The defeatism is wrong. If there's anywhere in your life that the Holy Spirit of God has put a finger on and is saying you're hindering the forward movement of the church in this issue, listen, just deal with it today and get it right. And then continue in it. Why? Because, we listen, we're ambassadors. And we have a job to do. We have heaven to represent. We have the lost that Jesus wants to come to him that need the gospel. And we're not going to accomplish it like we could have accomplished it if we're not all on the same page here. Our Father, thank you for this. Lord, I do believe the majority, the vast majority in this room desires to see our, our, our town, especially number one, but our town, one to Christ. Lord, we understand you've shown us here so clearly. The first place to start is unity in the body. We need to walk right. We need to walk in the right place in the right way and for the right reason. We need to have the same goal. So, Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to do that work today and that your people would respond to you. And as they respond and get things right with you, Lord, that the joy of the Lord we'd return to their life, that they have the strength that they need, that we'd all get up in unity and do what we're supposed to do where you've placed us. Help us to represent you better after today, that after today we would represent you better than we ever have before. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The instrument's going to play. The invitation is open. Would you deal with the Lord where you are? You can stand if you need to. If the Lord has spoken to you, whatever it is, you deal with Him today. Maybe there's something the Holy Spirit of God put His finger upon in your life and He said, that right there, you're hindering the body. You're hindering the body. Would you humble yourself before God this morning and get that squared away? Between you and Him. Between you and Him right now.
If you're done praying, you can go ahead and stand and let the instrument play just a little bit longer. We're going to be closing a word of prayer this morning and, and we pray you'd have a good afternoon, get some rest. Lord willing, we'll be back tonight in Matthew chapter 18, I think, 19. And uh, we'll see if we make it there or not. So uh, do be in prayer for that if you would. All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer uh, this morning. And uh, Brother Earl Bond, would you close us in prayer, please? Father, we thank you for this day. 